What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zitz. Finally rejoined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. It's great to have him back. And we also have a very special guest, owner of Badlands, founder of Turn on the Jets, Joe Caparoso. Guys, it's good to talk to both of you. How are you guys doing? Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm happy to be back with you guys both at the same time. It's uh, It's been a while. It's been a while. And it's been, as we were saying before we got on, sort of a weird off season. So it's good that the draft is getting here to have some real stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, Russo, but uh, how are you doing, man? It's, we've um, missed you for so long. I know, man. It's been a while, but it's uh, it's good to be back in the saddle. I uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, really, TOJ, all the fans out there, all the outreach, kind words. It's been great. Um, recovery's been good, and here I am, man. I feel good, and I'm ready to uh, get back and talk some Jets. Yeah, and we're glad to have you back. So I know there's nothing really pressing on the Jets end because we're still waiting on this Aaron Rodgers trade, which I feel like we've talked about on Twitter, um, you know, on Badlands, on every single form of, you know, Jets media that there is at nauseum for seven weeks, as Joe was saying before we went live. But I want to talk about the draft because it's such an important component of team building and the Jets, you know, were pretty terrible at drafting for quite some time, but it seems like Joe Douglas is definitely better than his predecessors, I, I would say with McCagden and Itzik, but he still has had his warts. So with this 13th pick, which you'd assume at this point is not going to be included in the Rodgers trade, which has been all indications to the media. Joe, what are, where's your head lap right now from that? Like, where do you think the Jets are going to go at 13? Because offensive line seems to be the most logical pick, but I feel like there's a chance of interior defensive linemen if somebody like Jalen Carter falls. If Jalen Carter falls, which I think would be very surprising if he got all the way to 13, that, that's one of those unicorn situations where – I'm sure he is much higher than 13 on their overall big board. And they certainly still have the need on defensive line. So that's one of those where you just take advantage of having something fortuitous happen. And I think you go get him now. I don't anticipate that happening. Crazier things have happened, you know, in the NFL draft and with players dropping with uh, somewhat similar situations to him. But if it's not going to be him that's there at 13, it does feel like, the safest bet remains and it's not sexy. And it's kind of been the same since like February is they're very likely to go offensive line at 13. They're very likely to have one of those top three guys on the board at 13 and just take them. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be mad if their first two picks in this draft were offensive linemen, if they went tackle center to kick things off. Now we don't know as of this point, if they're going to be going 13, 42, 43, or just 13, 42, or one of those picks is going to go out. It does seem more and more likely that they could be making all three of those picks and the compensation could be tied to 24 and 25, which is okay. I mean, Jets get, they have plenty of holes. We're adding three players in the top 43 is a good thing, but I, I am looking heavily towards offensive line uh, early in the draft. I, if all those three guys are gone, I think you'd see them try to trade down uh, maybe JSN because they do still have a need at receiver, but it feels like 75 to 85%. This ends up being an offensive lineman at number 13. Yeah. I think that's where all the smoke is pointed. Steven, what are your thoughts have been on this? Like, I'm sure you want, you know, Aaron Rodgers to be protected as best as he can, <laughs> yes. but what are your, what are your thoughts on taking a potential receiver like JSN? Cause it seems like he's like the consensus number one wide out in the draft. Yeah, I mean, missing out on Odell, I think it uh, it kind of highlights, obviously, the need and the fact that the Jets brass 
clearly thinks they need an additional body there, which is good, right? That's a refreshing thing for us to see because finally, you know, for us as fans, it feels like they're actually listening and 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 kind of doing the right thing here because we can't just you know rely on the likes of Corey Davis to be um, you know someone that we're going to going to uh, count on to put up uh, numbers and be healthy and be able to make catches. So um, the prospect of getting a guy at JSN, getting a guy like JSN at thirteen, I think excites me. Um, but I tend to agree with uh, with Joe there, where I do really think kind of chalk pick is is them going oh well when you kind of think back to last season and how it ended you listen to guys like Robert Sala talk you really understand how much um I don't want to say blame but really the onus of that kind of six game skid, how much of that really fell on the shoulders of what happened to the offensive line down the stretch. Um, It being kind of a makeshift unit, how many injuries there were. So, you know, the prospect of getting a guy like Skaronsky there, who I think has some flexibility kind of along the same lines of AVT, I kind of like, because you can be a plug and play. Um, You know, if Dwayne Brown really does come back and slides in at left tackle, you know, maybe you could find spots for Skaronsky along the, along the other spots of the line where, he may be a backup. So someone like that, I just think is kind of the chalk pick. I do think that's the way they go um, at 13. Ultimately, you know, despite how intriguing a JSN may be at 13, but uh, that's ultimately where I think they go. And then pairing them with 40, you know, got 42, like, uh, you know, like the center that, uh, that Connor likes uh, I, I'm, his name's uh, John Michael Smith. John yes. Smith. Thank you very much. I think that's just another, uh, another signing that I think, or another draft pick that would, uh, would round it out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like you got to get another offensive lineman because you have so many question marks with Beckton. You really don't know how Max Mitchell is going to be. I know he's supposed to be having a full recovery, but it's still a scary thing to go through when he had blood clots last year. And even with that, he was definitely up and down. But I think for a fourth round rookie, you got as good as production as you could from him. But yeah, you got to take a blue chipper. You need somebody that you think could be a cornerstone protector for whoever the quarterback is the long term. Obviously, Rodgers hopefully for two years, but at least for one year. But Skaronsky, to me, would be a home run. And I, I'm I'm interested to hear from you guys, too. Like, you know, Joe, you mentioned the, the prospect of Jalen Carter falling. Like, what are your guys' thoughts here on that? If he does fall, like, do those red flags scare you enough? If you were in Joe Douglas's shoes, I mean – I think we all kind of have PTSD from the the interior defensive lineman early on, but now it's like, okay, this is a legitimate need and getting a guy like that to pair with Quinn and Williams, obviously that excites you, but do the red flags kind of scare you enough to where, even if you were available, if you were in Joe Douglas's shoes, like what, what would you do? I mean, look, I, I think it's a very valid question and a very valid concern because if he is actually at 13, those red flags may be worse than, we're thinking, or look, so, you know, maybe teams got that much more aggressive for quarterback and those four guys go in the top 12 and that takes up a third of the picks. And then some other guys end up going higher than we expect. And it's just one of those things where he happens to be there. I, the prospect of, of having him next to Quinn and Williams, ideally off this new contract would make one of the jets, the jets defense, one of the most difficult to slow down and stop in the NFL. They just have so much explosiveness uh, from an interior pass rush perspective. And I have, I've, you know, I've had more IDL fatigue than anybody, you know, over the past <laughs> few years, but you finally saw it click through last year with Quinnen where he was a, you know, a 12 sack guy played the entire season was a true all pro. And now they really need someone else who could chew up some, you know, reps next to him. I think Quentin Johnson will help, you know, I'm not crazy about Solomon Thomas taking on that much bigger of a role. You know, you, you know what you'll get out of JFM, but to get a guy who is really like, arguably the most talented player in the class, you know, mm-hmm. he's in the discussion, even if he's not at 13 uh, would be very interesting. And I think they would be 
more amendable to doing it if they know they're keeping 42 and 43. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're going to, the picks are going to be for a later year. Cause that gives them two other shots at like very high second round picks, or they could package those picks and get back into the first round and get someone that they really want. I, again, I think this is a very unlikely scenario, but you never know. And I, you know, Robert Sala and that defense could never have enough interior defense. Well, I mean, could never have enough people rotating through who go after the quarterback. That's why they're, they're going to hang on to Carl Lawson. They're still going to have Bryce Huff. They're still going to have Jermaine Johnson. They still might take an edge rusher uh, relatively early in this draft. The board breaks the right way because they're just going to be rotating people through and want people who can get after the quarterback. So it's not out of the question. And it's the kind of pick where like Douglas has not been shy about the low floor, high ceiling. It really hasn't mm-hmm. worked out to date, but that doesn't mean that it won't work out necessarily the next time. Yeah, and I think with Jalen Carter, I don't think it's the. I think it's more of character issues. I don't think it's like ability. I think that like you're betting on you know just the talent winning out versus anything else. It just seems like he needs to get his head in the right place because he like he didn't test well at the combine and he obviously had some issues off the field. I'm not really well versed on the issues, but I know it's definitely a problem. Um, but for me, like I, I would be interested to see what would happen if if Skaronsky and um, Jalen Carter were both on the board. What would Joe Douglas do? Because in that instance, you could really get like a very like safe prospect with Skaronsky. People think could be the best offensive lineman in the draft because of the versatility on the inside or the outside. But then you will have this guy who could be the best player in the draft. It almost to me would be like a Laramie Tunsil situation when the Dolphins were able to get him when he was supposed to be the number one pick, you know, going into January. But the Jets are in a place, like you said, it's just like they need to get these holes filled up. Like we don't have a center right now, which I think is crazy to think. It's April 16th. No center on the roster. I know they're going to sign somebody, whether it's Ben Jones, maybe they bring up the government on the chief, which I think would actually be a good move at this point, considering he was okay last year. He was like very serviceable. And then you would draft someone, I think in the second round, like JMS or maybe the guy, um, I think, I can't remember his name, Joe Tipton from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tipton from Wisconsin. Like one of those guys to learn and maybe eventually take over midway through the season. But we do need interior defensive line help. If they get a guy like Al Woods or Puna Ford, I'll probably be like, don't take it take the offensive lineman but it's definitely an interesting conversation for sure and joe douglas's job is on the line so you got to think of you know how he needs to approach this offseason is it get the safe guy that you know will contribute and won't be a problem or swing for the fences and hope it could actually be a difference maker that could get this team on a long playoff run yeah i mean it's an unlikely but you know kind of fascinating scenario and i think it will with Robert Sala, I think that's kind of the wild card. Where if Jalen Carter were to fall, I think it'll say a lot, and they'll probably rely on Sala to be able to kind of remedy some of those character issues, and then obviously his uh, focus on the D line. And when you think about how scary that really could be, with a fully healthy now Carl Lawson, another you know Jermaine Johnson with another year under his belt coming off the edge, you pair you know Jalen Carter with Qu- with Quinn Williams, then you got still got JFM. That's exciting. But you flip it to the offensive line, where really on paper it sounds great. You got Dwayne Brown coming back, um, you know Lake and Tom. Hamilton hopefully gets better. You got AVT returning. There's still a hole at center. What do they do? Do they fill that with Ben Jones? And you got Makai Becton, who looks great, and Max Mitchell to compete. But really, when you break it down, there's still questions across the board there, right? So on paper, it sounds good, but there there are a lot of questions. So the safer pick clearly is offensive line. But, man, it's going to be fascinating to see if that scenario actually plays out. Yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued. That's just going to make draft night fun for us because – we really don't know what's going to happen because the, the quarterbacks are the wild card. Cause you know, 
at least Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, and probably Anthony Richardson are going to go, I would say, top five in some capacity. And then Levis is interesting because you don't really know where he's going to go. He could be a top 10 pick or he could fall all the way to the late teens with a team like Tampa Bay who has that interest in him. So if there's four quarterbacks going in the top 10, that definitely helps the Jets' chances to get a player that's high on their board because I would say Will Levis is not really, you know, a top 10 prospect, but because of the desperation of the position, it can alter, you know, how the board ends up falling. Because, like, we never thought Garrett Wilson would fall to us at 10, and it ended up happening, which is crazy to think. And, boy, are we happy that Atlanta likes Drake London a lot more and Seattle likes Charles Cross. Yeah, uh, it's – there's, there's always some surprises that come on, you know, in that early part of the round. And look, the last couple of times they picked roughly around this spot, they've done well. They, they went and got AVT, which I think everyone liked, and they got Garrett Wilson last year, which has worked out really well so far. So um, it's not, you know, this sort of like mid-ish part of the first round they've generally done relatively well with. So it, it's just what's interesting about this offseason. It's been so unconventional in that, you know, the news effectively of Rogers coming to the jets broke, I don't know, like seven or eight weeks ago. It's It's crazy. It's like, it's not done yet. It feels like it's just about done, but it's kind of like overshadowed the rest of the off season. What's been Mm -hmm. like a a generally like pretty quiet free agency period and has kind of overshadowed a lot of the draft talk, because if you just talk in like actual formalities of what's happened so far this off season, like, from a transaction standpoint, like they signed Alan Lazard and Miko Hardman. Uh, they signed, you know, Quentin Johnson. They replaced, they swapped out punters. Uh, Thank God, by the way. Big win, big win though. That's Thank a- God. I mean, for us, we're thrilled, but we're <laughs> irrationally obsessed with, you know, with punters. Uh, and they, they brought Quincy Williams back. You know, they traded a seventh for Chuck Clark. It's been like a pretty quiet, calm offseason there hasn't been like some like major actual splash yet now we expect one to come certainly uh, but it hasn't yet and that's kind of it's we've kind of been in this like weird purgatory period waiting for this offseason to feels like doesn't really get started until rogers comes but now the draft is less than two weeks away i know like it's the least locked in i've been for the draft in a while because typically the Jets have been drafting very high. So there's been a lot of intention about what they're going to do, whether it was going to be, you know, Zach Wilson or, you know, last year where they had the fourth pick because we really didn't know what they were going to do. We all thought it was probably going to be Icky Aquan or maybe even Kayvon Thibodeau and end up being Sauce Gardner, which at, at first we all were like, why would you get four this high? But then at the end of the night, when you saw them get all three guys in the first round, you're like, all right, this is great. It ended up being probably one of the best classes the Jets have had since 2006, which to me is like, the best class I've seen in my lifetime because of the amount of long-term contributors that they had. And the hope is that this class will be like that as well. Uh, but thankfully we will have a quarterback who's a high level quarterback, not Chad Pennington, who is a great, great jet, but you know, he's not Aaron Rodgers, even if Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. But I think the Odell stuff was something that Jeff fans were hoping for. And I was about it. I was like very on, like on board with it, but I could understand like the you know reservations people would have because he is a personality, but I think he's a little more mature than he was when he was playing for the Giants. So I don't think that would have been an issue. Uh, but the money was key to me. Like, you can't be paying that guy $15 million a year. I don't care, like, you know, what his, you know, credentials were prior to, you know, getting hurt. But he hasn't played football in a full season. Like, and he's 30 years old, turning 31. I, I'm fine with the Jets not doing that. I think 
they do have other needs. They need to pay a center. They need to get probably another receiver. They need to get some interior defensive line help. And honestly, if they could get a better safety, I would be cool with it because you're, you're relying on Whitehead, who I think was very up and down, but showed some flashes in his first year. But if they could upgrade that spot, I think that they would in a second. And I know Connor's been alluding to that a lot out of Badlands because Chuck Clark is like kind of the same, you know, positional, you know, fit as a guy like Whitehead. But I think the Jets see it as Tony Adams is like the guy that's going to be taking that role eventually because they, they love him. I don't, he was fine in, in spot duty, but I, I don't, I don't see it. I hope to be wrong about him, but uh, Joe, I know you were, you were ultimately happy. They didn't give Odell that contract, but what were your like, you know, closing thoughts on that situation that'll pass through. So. Um, I mean, look, I'm happy as, as Steven was saying at the top that they know they need more receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were very in, and I think they were fully expecting to get him and thought that the, you know, 12 or 13 that they offered or what it maybe is nine. I, I don't know if we'll ever know the exact number uh, would be enough, but they, they need more. Um, and look, it was paying Odell 15 million guaranteed the right answer. Probably not. That's it's, it's kind of crazy to give him that much money. Um, they're already paying a guy like Corey Davis a lot this year, like 11 million. Now I think he's going to get cut. He's going to get restructured. I just don't look at that room as being complete right now. Um, I think, you feel a lot better with one more meaningful addition. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be one injury away uh, from Lazard and Hardman really having to take very prominent roles as pass catchers. It's not like you have an elite tight end. You have a good, okay, well-rounded tight end room, but nobody there is going to step up as a lead pass catcher. Um, and when you look around the, you know, the rest of the room, it they just want, it just feels like there's one piece away. One guy who could win outside the numbers, one, player who could add some more explosiveness to the group. I do feel like when it's all said and done, Davis will be gone, whether that's part of the Rogers trade, whether that's he's ultimately cut, whether he's traded in training camp. Uh, Mims is not going to take on a big role. Jeff Smith is gone. Not that he was a, you know, a key part anyway, but they need another addition. And I don't know if it's really going to come from Hopkins. It doesn't sound like they're like serious contenders for him. Uh, this sounds like there's a lot more complexity in who's going to be interested in him, in him. I think, is there a surprise veteran we're not talking about who ends up becoming available? You know, a guy like Godwin or Evans would be awesome. Does that work from a financial standpoint? Is Tampa shipping one of those guys off? Uh, are, are one of the Denver receivers really available? Uh, are they, and they are, are they available for reasonable enough money or are they going to try to like slap it together with like a, a day two pick? If they don't get, if they don't get JSN at 13, and maybe some other cast off veterans who happen to still be available, but they, they definitely need a little more. I think they know a little more, know they need a little more and maybe post Rogers, they, they find a way to be more aggressive to get him one more meaningful pass catcher on the outside. I also randomly think, and I've talked about it a lot that they're going to draft tight end relatively high in this draft. Uh, if it's not with one of the round two picks, I could see it coming in round four. I just think it's a deep class of tight end. And I think they're going to look at the group as just weapons and pass catchers. And they're going to be thinking more with a lens to 2024 and 2025. Uh, Maybe someone again, who could come in and make an impact right away in certain situational things. They need another pass catcher too, is the short of it. And I just don't Hopkins is the most popular name. I just don't know if it's ultimately going to be him. Yeah. Um, I I'm interested like on that point, because, you know, they took Ruckert last year, they gave Uzama and, you know, kind of decent money for guys that never really like thousand yard receivers as tight ends or double digit touchdown guys. Um, 
I, I wouldn't be a, like against it, but it kind of would be pretty telling about what they think of Ruckert because then you're like, is he just essentially going to be an H back fullback? He's not really going to be an every down tight end who can like, you know, actually run routes. But I, I know this is a good tight end class, so I like, wouldn't be like upset by it. But at the same time, I'd rather them get a receiver over a tight end. Just like you said, they need probably one more receiver. And I think that room will be in a good spot. One name that I heard, and I don't think it's really realistic. So I'll, I'll definitely, you know, say, you know, take this with a grain of salt. A guy like Michael Pittman might be available from Indianapolis. That's a guy that I think if he really was available, that Joe Douglas should kick the tires on that. He's young. He's been a productive receiver. He's been in quarterback purgatory for his entire NFL career. He's the kind of guy, and I wanted us to take him the year uh, we took Mims, but he wasn't there, uh, it, I guess, whatever the Jets picked. That would be a guy that I think would be really interesting, but I just don't know if he's truly available, but I've heard rumblings and stuff in the athletic that I've read, but uh I'm curious, Russo, what do you think about a guy like Michael Pittman? And then we'll pass it back to JC. Yeah, I mean, I like the prospect of, of a guy like Michael Pittman. And I think, you know, it's a big body wide receiver, which is what I was happy with the Lazard signing for, right? Like yeah. a 6'5", you know, 230 guy. That's something that this uh, that this Jets receiving core and honestly offense has kind of lacked overall, really. And honestly, when you look at the whole team, I know, Joe, you and Connor talk about it all the time, like just size in general, Small, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. They're they're a small team. So you can see that they're trying to get bigger. So I like the fact they got Lazard. You know, I think drop issues, like he had some, but at least he consistently plays. He can block. And he's obviously a favorite target and guy, really, of Aaron Rodgers. So I think that was good. Um, the uh, You know, getting a – and that's – in general, I think that's kind of the tough part about this whole thing and missing out on Odell is you really don't know what the market really is. Joe mentioned it. Are the guys in Denver really available? You know, DeAndre Hopkins is the one guy now that you can kind of turn your attention towards uh, with Odell being being gone. So that I can see why Joe Douglas didn't you kind of balked at the 15 million for, you know, for Odell Beckham. But honestly, like if we go into September and the receiving core looks the way that it does right now, I'm going to be the guy saying we should have just paid Odell the 15. Because honestly, I'd rather do that. I don't really know, honestly, what the Jets cap situation looks like, but are you really going to be hamstrung by a four or five extra million to Odell to shore up that second spot, which is honestly the perfect position for Odell um, opposite a guy like Garrett Wilson. So I kind of, my Odell feelings are really contingent upon what happens next, which is, you know, kind of a roundabout way of answering the same way that Joe did, but really that's what you have to see. So I'm glad that they recognize a need there it really is contingent upon though how they address it moving forward and I'm not really I mean we know the the Jets history with uh with second round wide receivers I mean I'm not really (laughs) on on that being kind of the band-aid but depending on how the rest of the offseason shakes out like that will really kind of you know dictate my feelings on how um you know everything with Odell progressed and and ultimately played out but going back to your point about if, if Michael Pittman is truly available yes that is absolutely a guy that I would kick the tires on and feel comfortable pairing you know having a, a Garrett Wilson one Lazard 2a and and Michael Pittman 2b or however that kind of shakes out yeah, I like Pittman a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a young ascending player. He's got good size. It's kind of, he's someone who could win outside the numbers, which is what you'd like to see round out this receiver group a little bit. And someone who could be a natural number two uh, or a two a opposite of Wilson, where I think Lazard is more of like a two B uh, in sort of the target hierarchy that they set up. And, you know, you also got to remember, they also traded Elijah Moore away. And uh, mm-hmm. my guess is that they traded him away thinking they would likely get Odell or likely had a different replacement in mind. 
unless he was really that difficult behind the scenes, which I don't think was the case. Like they all evaluate the decision to trade him, the decision to pass on paying Odell when we see what that depth chart looks like in August, because if it's the way it is now, that's not good enough. And it will be something that rears its ugly head at some point, especially if you're in this sort of, you're in an all in window for the next two years. You're hoping it's two years, not one year. This isn't the time to be worried about, you know, a few million dollars or holding on to an extra pick that uh, you may, you know, may may want, you want to get Rogers as much as you possibly can and load up and give yourself security if there's some, some type of injury or something you're not planning for. Yeah, and honestly, like moving, moving, moving the Elijah pit or moving Elijah for a pick to get to use that to get Aaron Rodgers is one thing and I'm fine with it. But if they did that and we don't, you know, the wide receiver room stays as is, you still get Rodgers, you keep 43, then it kind of looks different depending on what that pick is too. Because Elijah with Aaron Rodgers as your slot receiver paired with Nicole Hardman and kind of how, you know, how that looks, that's a different story as well, right? Like, so there's a there's just a lot of moving pieces here and it's all contingent and we've just been in a waiting game forever. So it's all kind of contingent upon how the rest of the stuff shakes out here. Yeah, the one thing I would say is that why I think receiver in some capacity will be addressed, I don't think it's going to be the room that we see right now, is I think some things will happen as a trickle effect once Rodgers is acquired, when they make all those, you know, cap gymnastics moves to get all that in place, whether it's like, you know, adjusting his contract, which apparently Boomer Esiason said, and I think other people have said that Jeff fans will be happy to see like what type of structure he takes because he's willing to take less to obviously fulfill the needs that this team does have. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind, which is why I've been a little bit more patient with, you know, how they've addressed the offseason as a whole. I think probably why they don't have a center. I, I would like, you need a guy to snap the ball and you, and you can't rely on somebody who's never done it before, you know, immediately, unless they're like, you know, a slam dunk prospect, maybe like a guy like Linderbaum from last year. So I think you'll see some moves in May, maybe even June. I think that's when a lot of this stuff will happen. I think they'll probably make a trade if they don't draft the receiver. Um, but I, I'm not overly worried just yet. I think, like you said, we'll revisit the conversation once we get to training camp and that Hall of Fame game and you see who Zach Wilson's throwing to. And that, that then you can panic if you feel like it's guys like Randall Cobb that are, the, I guess, the Band-Aid, for lack of a better term. Because he'll probably be here, let's be honest with ourselves. Which is fine, as long as he's not, like, relied upon, right? If he's a depth piece, like, so be it. But then that's just what we're waiting on. So, you know, seeing how this uh, eventually progresses and moves forward, I think, is the key. Which that's what we're used to, man. It's been an offseason of just waiting. You know, we're 99% confident that Aaron Rodgers is going to come. But, like, at, at, and the, the Jets fan in me just continues to see the worst and, like, this fall apart at the, at the last second. So there's a huge part of me that's just, like, get it done no matter what it costs just so I can put it to bed and, and know he's here. Um, but it's been just that kind of offseason. It has. A truly unique one. Only, yes. only the Jets have a trade done. Right? We wait eight, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks for it to actually happen. <laughs> yes. Um, I know both of you guys have some kids you got to put down, so we are going to wrap soon, but I'll do some quick fire here. So I want to do for Quinnen, what's his contract going to be? So you could do length, uh, what the actual contract is, and then guaranteed money. Um, and you can, if you want to do a bonus, when it's going to be, you know, locked in. So that was, that's the first question. Second question is what's the final Rogers uh, trade package that we end up seeing whenever it does happen. And then third question is, do the Jets host a home playoff game this year? So I'm going to pass it to Joe first, and then Russo, you give me your thoughts. Uh, I think Quinnen will be four for a hundred, uh, guaranteed slightly higher than Payne, maybe like 
two or three million more just to like be a point of emphasis getting yeah over it. i guess it would happen late may early june sometime around then okay. comfortably before training camp but after the nfl draft uh rogers i think it's gonna end up being draft day or the day before the draft a 2023 second and then a 2024 conditional pick that is most likely to end up being like a third and is only a first if the Jets effectively like win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Maybe something like Corey Davis or another third pick is thrown in that's small, but I'm sticking to that being roughly the compensation and it happening right before the NFL draft, much closer to the draft than I initially thought, but I'll stay with that. If they get Rodgers and if they make one or two more meaningful additions after that. I think they have a reasonable chance of winning the AFC East, which would be your pathway to hosting a playoff game. I don't think they're competing with Kansas city or or Cincinnati to be like a one or two seed Mm -hmm. or getting a bye week But do I think that with how we saw Buffalo finish last year and how new England, I think will still be pretty average this year. And some of the injury concerns around Tua that, there's a pathway to the Jets being like 11 and six and winning the AFC East and being like the four seed and hosting a playoff game. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's the most like the Buffalo should, it will be the favorite and should be. Yeah. But I think post Rogers acquisition, there's a, there's a 35 to 40% chance the Jets could have that opportunity, which it would be their first hosted home playoff game since the the Colts one, I believe in the 2002. So, I mean, that's how crazy it's been. On it's wild. Space. <laughs> All right, Russo, let's hear your predictions. Yeah, I don't want to be boring, but I think Joe is spot on with, with Quinn, and I think it's four for 100. Um, I'm not particularly like good or well-versed with guaranteed money, but I, I agree with him um, in that aspect. And I, I, I probably think um, that that deal happens relatively soon. I'd say, you know, uh, within the month or within a month. So before like, uh, you know, like mini camp start and all that, they put this to bed. because I don't, I think they don't want that to uh, be, be hanging over their heads. Um, the Rogers deal, ultimately, I, I'd agree with Joe again. I think it happens, um, like right at or right before, uh, draft day. And I ultimately think the compensation is a 2023 second and probably a conditional 2024 second that can move to a first, depending on either jet success or Rogers playing time, which I think really is, is, is tied at the hip, uh, you know, when you break it down. Um, so probably a 24 second that can move to a first if they make the Super Bowl or if Rogers comes back for 2024, whatever you may, you know, uh, have it. Um, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm feeling good, man. I came out of heart surgery. I'm the, I'm the Jets uh, forever optimist here. So I will say that, uh, yeah, I think they're going to host the home playoff game in 23, but I will say that the one thing that I, I am worried about honestly is that defense was incredibly good last year and mm-hmm. leaps and bounds ahead of where they were in 21. Um, but they were insanely healthy and that yeah. rarely happens, um, twice in a row, uh, the other thing that concerns me, and Joe, actually, I reached out to you on it on the uh, the Saturday AM questions. You know, one thing that really was their Achilles heel in the back end of the season and really contributed to that six-game skid was they couldn't force any turnovers. And mm-hmm. offense has really attacked the middle of the field. And honestly, I can say right now, I don't know if they've done anything to improve that. So as great as Rodgers is, and you can look back on it and say, listen, you know, moderate QB play gets us what three, four plus wins uh, over what they did last year. But how much of the, that defense kind of regresses to the mean a little bit? And and really, I just think the Jets still have some work to do to address some of those things. 
other teams attacking the middle of the field and being able to force turnovers if they can fix some of those things because honestly the health thing um clearly that there's they're gonna have some injuries that they didn't have last year because they were very fortunate uh on the defensive side of the ball in 2022. Yeah, that's that's super fair. But I'll say this. I think the way they call games will be different because they actually know that their quarterback can move the ball and score points. True. So I think that they were calling things a little bit differently, not being as aggressive from a blitz standpoint. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind. But I agree with you about the health stuff. They were very fortunate. And year to year, that's not guaranteed. And you're most likely going to see a, some sort of regression in some shape or form. You, you don't want to wish it, but that's the game of football. Mm-hmm. We lost Carl Austin before he ever played a game for the Jets. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. So I, I think it's fair to say, but I think the reason why I was asking you guys about the home playoff game is because we were, I was watching the Kings game and the, we're basically now the Kings. We're the team that everyone's making fun of because we have the longest active playoff drought in, you know, the modern, I mean, four um, pro American Us sports. and the Sabres, we're tied now. Yeah, <laughs> great. But um, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, I can't imagine what my life saves going to be like. Because like, if this is what the Kings is like. Jet fans are starved because most young Jet fans have never seen a Jet home playoff game. I was 10 years old the last time they hosted a playoff game. So it's been a while. But uh, Joe, were you actually at that game in 2002? I wasn't. I was at the game in 98 against Jacksonville. I was uh, 11. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't get to go. I forget why for 2002, but I went 98 when they beat Jacksonville, which was awesome. Uh, still remember the confetti coming down with the video board showing they were playing Denver next week, a game they should have won. Oh uh, we're God. winning. Yes. <laughs> uh, not to open painful wounds, but uh, no, yeah, it's just been that one in 98. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that it there hasn't, there's only been one other opportunity since then. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a long time, but, uh, so real quick, make sure if you guys are not already subscribed to this feed, uh, go to youtube.com slash Jets TV, make sure you're subscribed on our Apple or, po- or Spotify or even Amazon. Now that we've recently got our podcast out there, uh, just search Charlie Jets live. You'll find it with our logo. And obviously if you want the best premium Jets content on the internet, make sure you check out the Badlands Patreon. There is a big thing coming. We have the draft guide. Joe, give us a little, you know, details on that real quick on when that, that's coming out and what to expect. Hitting uh, hitting Monday should be live before noon, if not a little earlier. And it's it's been awesome to watch how it's grown year over year. Connor and Dan and, and Greg and Meigs have done an amazing job with it. And it's basically an absolute must resource. If you're like a Jets fan, who's a little casual, like following the NFL draft and just wants to like very quickly learn and understand who all the best players are in this class, who the jets could be interested in all their top traits. Uh, the CMS will be set up to be very like easy to navigate and like move around. It's not, it's set up like a lot of our other big boards. So uh, if you're war room, you'll get it first thing this week. If you're deep dive, you'll get it late this week. Uh, but it's it's really like a must-have as a Jet fan who's following the NFL draft. Obviously, Connor is the best when it comes to draft coverage and, and the way Dan has designed it makes it you know just a blast to like navigate. So uh, excited to get that live this week. It's definitely one of our like signature things we do every year now at Badlands. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. And like I said earlier in the show, I haven't really been following the draft as much this year, so it'll definitely be my resource as we head into that weekend. Uh, We appreciate everybody who supports the show and we'll talk to you guys soon.